welcome to Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message and we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1030. We're located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After listening to this message, take a moment to browse our website for current and upcoming events. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you will grab your Bible, we, we left off last week in Ephesians uh, one verse, somewhere around five or six. And where we left off, we were talking about the whole concept of being adopted. Adopted and chosen in this life. About how the Lord loves us so dearly that He chose us to be a part of His family. Now this whole thought, no matter where you are in life, whether life is falling apart completely and you're sitting here going, uh, man, I, I need Jesus to save me in this situation. Uh, whether life is going exactly how you planned it. You're part of his family. He gives you his name. He gives you his name to be a part of his family. And this, this, important is, uh, this thought is important to Paul because he, he writes to the Ephesians about it. He writes to the Galatians about this. And he writes to, to the Romans. This whole concept of, of adoption. And we sat with that toward the end of last week. You know, and, if you, and, if you, and if you thought about that this week at all, it's nice to, to feel wanted, isn't it? Now, for you guys that are married, think back to, to when you were dating. For some of you, it's just like yesterday. For others of you, it was a little longer than yesterday. But what was it like dating that person that, that really wanted to be around you? What was it like to, to feel like, man, there, there's a special person out there who loves me dearly? Well, that's how Jesus is with us. It, it feels wonderful. It's nice to be wanted. It, it's like life has value to it. Remember what, uh, what Paul said to the, the Galatians in uh, Galatians 4.4 4, as he wrote to them. He said, but when the time had fully come and that perfect timing, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might have the full rights of sons. Because you were sons, God sent a spirit, uh, spirit of a son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but a son, and since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Now Paul writes in the male vernacular their son. Um, because there wasn't that many women around that, that, that were able to read. They just didn't go to school like the, the, the Jewish men did and so forth. Um, so you could put the word daughter in there and that would be okay. That wouldn't be sacrilegious for, for this particular passage. But what Paul is saying there is this, even though God has adopted us, that we still don't know how to respond to him because, because of how we have felt in the past. You know... It's almost like God had to, had to put the software upgrade into us. You, you know how you, you have a program, or, or, or for you that are computer people, you know, or, or you, you get a certain program and there's little bugs in it, there's things that just doesn't work right, and, and you've got to get the upgrade, you know? The upgrade comes either in the mail or you get it over the internet, depending on how you are and so forth, and you put it into the computer and, and it fixes those things. That's exactly what, what, what the Lord did for us. He put an upgrade into us. He allowed the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and upgrade us to, to be able to communicate with God. This is what Paul is saying, that God sent, sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. He loaded us up so we could communicate. Because God's language is different than our language. 
And especially for, the, for those of, of you that might have been raised being afraid of God. Now, you know, that might be you. Is it possible that you were raised being afraid of God? Whether maybe you're, you're in the middle of religion or, or you know, totally far from religion because, because you were afraid that God was going to judge you. How many of you hate being judged? Well, we all should raise our hand on that one. We all hate people kind of, you know, they give us that look and you're sitting there thinking, oh, I, I know what they're thinking. They're judging me right now. And you can just see, you know, and you're sitting there going, I, you don't even want to be around the person. And you, or you're sitting there going, I wonder what they're thinking. I know they're, they're thinking something negative. We don't like being judged. And there's no way for us to communicate with God. So here's what Paul says that, that he does. He takes his spirit, the spirit of God, and he puts it within us. When we accept God, he puts it in there. Then out of our mouth, things like Abba, Father, or Daddy. Abba, what does that mean? Abba means Daddy. How many of you still call your dad Daddy? Yeah, a few of you still do. There's like hands going on. I don't want to admit it around everybody. I may still call my dad Daddy. But some of us still do that. Now, what else may you call him, you know? Some of you got maybe a few choice words. Maybe we shouldn't go into that. Or how about Papa? But what God is saying here is, I sent Jesus so you could call me Daddy. Do you remember the first time you really prayed with God or prayed to God or had that conversation? And I don't mean that, you know, the I'm sorry speech. You're laying down in bed and you're sitting there going, okay, I really needed it. I feel guilty. I need to talk with God. So, so okay, what did I do wrong? Okay, Lord, I'm sorry for that attitude. I'm sorry I said this. Oh, I did this other sin that I'm not even going to mention because you already know what it is. You know, I'm not talking about the I'm sorry speech with God. I'm talking about the first time you really connected with God, and all of a sudden it's like you're having a conversation back and forth. You're, you're feeling the, the love through the Holy Spirit. You're having a good, healthy talk with your Father in heaven. And he is saying, I have adopted you into my family. So Jesus, he came to reveal the Father. Do you remember there was one day in, in the scriptures where it talks about Jesus was teaching and, and, and basically Jesus had all these protection, you know, he needed protecting from the crowds, you know. So many people were coming, so many people were crowding around, and the, the, you know, the disciples were almost like the secret service. They kept people, you know, you can only get so close, you know. Well, all of a sudden, these little kids kind of squeak through, you know. Little kids, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're fast, aren't they? I'm learning that with Brandon. You know, I, I, I could used to be able to crawl and catch up with him. But now I kind of have to get up and run with him because he's going too fast. And that's what it, what it was. All of a sudden, these kids were, were going too fast, and they're squeaking through, and they're, they're, they're coming to Jesus. And everyone else is, you know, they run up to Jesus, and they're not afraid of him. And Jesus is teaching during this time, and everyone else is standing, so he's probably sitting down. That's just the way it was. And here comes these kids, and the disciples are trying to grab the kids, and the parents are trying to grab the kids, and the kids just keep coming through. And, 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 you know, and they're like, hey, who fathered that child? Control your child. Have you ever been in a restaurant and wanted somebody to control their child? I have, I tell you. I tell you, I'm going to get up, I'm going to take my child out of the restaurant if he ever starts acting like some kids that I've seen in restaurants or in certain places. So, I mean, that's the attitude. Whose child is that? You need to control that child. These children are coming to Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. They're not distracting me. Just bring them in. 
And this is one reason why, why I, you know, if a parent wants to have a child in here, that's fine. I, I don't, you know, we got a loving children's ministry with, with people that serve faithfully and, and teach the kids on their level. But if, if a parent wants to have the child in here, that, that's fine with me. I'm not going to, you know, Jesus said, let the children come. That, that's fine, as long as they're not disturbing everybody. And Jesus was kind of the same way. Jesus is like, bring them back here. But, but Lord, they're, they're, they're distracting, and I couldn't hear that one point that you were trying to make. And I really, I, you know, I have my notes up to that point, and that kid started talking, and, you know. He's like, just, just let the kids come in here. So all these Jewish little kids come running and, uh, to the front, and they climb all over Jesus, and, uh, and, and, you know, and people are like, well, look at that. Everyone is like, well, well, how cute. You know, Jesus is taking a little break, playing with the kids. This is kind of nice. But for Jesus, this is a teaching moment. He says, unless you come, unless you come to, to the Father, unless you come to me, like one of these little children, you cannot understand or enter my kingdom. The children were the message at that point. They were the message. And the message is this. God is a loving Father. And you are the kids. We are the kids. So climb into the lap of God. Because God wants us to be happy. I love making my son laugh. I'll, I'll do the stupidest things to make him laugh, you know? Right now, one of the things he cracks up is, I'll pick him up, and it's usually after he takes his bath, and I'm try- you know, he doesn't like to be dressed. He doesn't like to get his diaper on. He doesn't like any of that. He screams and hollers and bends his back all straight and all that kind of stuff. But as I get him out of the bath and wrap him up in the towel, we'll walk down the hall, and I'll turn on the lights. And as we're going, to the, uh, going by the lights in the hall, we've got three of them, and I'll go, hey, look, a light. And he'll look up, and I'll scratch his throat, and he'll be like all giggling and everything. I love it when my son laughs. God loves it when his children laugh and are happy. And anything that hinders you from getting in God's lap and being happy, it's just bad. It could be bad religion. It could be the accuser saying, well, how can you climb into God's lap with that sin? Because I know what you did last Thursday night. I know that sin that you have in your life. How could you ever go to God? That's the accuser. That's the Satan. It could be whatever. But I'm saying get that out and climb into the lap of God. Why? Because, you know, this is where things are solved. Everything is all right in the arms of God. My son, when he's hurt, who does he run to? Well, usually mama, okay? But you get the concept of a parent. Everything is all right in the parent's arms. So our attitude should be this. I am adopted by God. I am special. Now, some of us have no problem thinking we're special, right? But most of us do. God wants to build our self-esteem to where, to where we will begin to, to behave as a Christian instead of trying to behave like a Christian. In other words, we are a Christian versus we're just trying to act like one. Well, let's move on to, to verse 7. It says here, in him, and if you're underlining every time he says in him or in Christ, here's, here's another one. In him we have. Now, is this past Present or future tense? It's presence tense here. He, he's going to go through all the tenses here. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. 
And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times or when, when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Paul is telling us that we will not understand him unless we are surrounded and we're marinating ourselves in what? In him. Have you ever marinated meat? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You, you gotta, you know, you, we put it like in a Ziploc bag and the meat's surrounding it and it totally infuses into the meat. And then when you barbecue it, it's like, oh, it's good. What's how, you know, unless we're marinating in Jesus, unless we're surrounded totally by Jesus, when we're getting a difficult, hot situation, we don't come out smelling like him, do we? Not unless we're marinating in him. I, I know, I, I got a weird way of thinking. I, I understand that. I'm from Texas. Meat, cook, grill, hot, yeah. But unless we're surrounded by him, and once we recognize that, we're, we're like, wow, our eyes are totally open. Because in Christ, I am a new creation. A new creation. I can do all things through what? Through Christ. Now, Paul uses the word redemption. What is he trying to say here? In verse 7, he goes back and says, In him we have redemption through his blood. Now, if we lived in the first century, we would have understood this word. You know, we would have understood this word was connected with the word adoption, and we would have all went, Aha, okay, okay. I got that. Redemption. I, I understand this. It makes all the sense in the world. But 2,000 years later, the word redemption is not a word that we use that much, do we? You know, how many of you have redeemed a coupon? Well, no, we use a coupon. We don't, even, we don't even say the word redeem that much anymore. So let's go back to the first century. And this still happens today sometimes, but, but not in America. In the first century, you could be sold into slavery if you had debts that you could not pay. So if you owed a guy... Maybe your crops, uh, you know, didn't, you borrowed some money to be able to buy the seed to, to be able to <clears throat> farm and produce the crop. And maybe, you know, it was dry that year, so you didn't have enough crops. So when you, when you, you know, when you, you harvested it and you went to collect all the money for the harvest, you didn't get as much and you couldn't pay the guy back. So you owed the guy. Well, you could sell yourself. Instead of being foreclosed, you know, instead of your house being taken from you because your wife and children and family needed that house, they would say, well, you need to pay this back. So you allowed yourself to go into financial slavery to pay off the debt. Could be eight weeks, eight months, eight years, depending on how large the debt. It could be your whole life. Now, you could even sell your children to pay your debt. So if you're a child in here today, or a teenager in here today, just be lucky that we don't live in that day and age, right? Here you are, you're a great hardworking kid, and, and, and some guys come over, and, and your dad's in there having this conversation. It's a really intense conversation, and they keep looking over at you. Keep looking at you. And you're thinking, well, why, do they, why do they keep bringing my name up? Well, this is what's happening here. Now, there's two ways to be released. One is you worked your time. You had to, to work so many years, and you worked it off, and they said, okay, you're released from that debt. So we'll let you go. Or somebody comes through and they decide, you know what, I, I really like this person. 
You know, I, you know, Walter, he's a pretty good guy, and I know he's been in debt, so let me go pay his debt because I really like hanging out with him. And I can't do that if he's out here, you know, slaving away at somebody else's place. So, or maybe a great aunt comes and says, well, I can take care of that. And they pay for it with the money that they own. Now, what Paul does here is use the word for what Jesus does with us. Only the payment is huge because of what we owed. Now, what do you owe? (laughs) We owe payment for every single sin we have ever committed or that we will ever commit. Think about that for a second. How much is that? See, this is why we celebrate the blood of Christ. And people, you know, if you're, if you're not in church, you haven't been brought up, to church, brought up in church, and, and you come to a service, and all of a sudden they're taking communion, you, you may think it's kind of weird. In fact, one of the, you know, somebody very liberal this last week had a whole article on, on the, the Jesus cult, they called it. And the whole act of taking communion and, and how it's just sick. How could they celebrate the death of a man? And, and, you know, they talk about eating Christ's flesh and, and drinking his blood. But what they don't understand is we're celebrating that he gave his life for us. He redeemed us. He used that coupon to pay the price for our sin. That's why we celebrate communion. Not for the grossness of the fact, but to remember what he paid for. He paid for our flesh and blood. He paid for our sin. And it took his flesh and blood to pay for it. So Paul says, not only are you adopted, but you're also redeemed. And he starts to build on that. He says, in him we have redemption through his blood. He says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 6.20, you were bought with a price, or you were bought at a price. What he was telling the Corinthians was, hey, straighten up, guys, because, I mean, these Corinthians are something else. If you go read the, or study the book of Corinthians or read the book of Corinthians, you're going to read some stuff, and you're going, wow, they were way out of control, because they really were. They were, they were partying. They were doing all this sort of stuff with their bodies they shouldn't have been doing, they, you know, things that Christians should not be doing. And they were trampling on the grace of God. And he says to them, you were bought with a price. You've been paid for. That was expensive. Don't go out and wreck it. And a redeemed slave would, would, would know. He would go, wow. You know, I understand that concept that Paul's talking about. I've been, I was bought with a price. I, you know, my, my, my redemption, somebody paid, me, you know, paid my, my debt off. They would understand that. And our response is what? Well, we should do something. Now, what is really sad is when Christians receive the blood of Christ and they enter into to religion with this thought of, I've got to pay God back. I've got to do, you know, I've I got to do all these things to pay God back. But, but it's not about paying him back because we can't. We cannot pay back God for all the sin that we're going to commit. That's just not reality. It's not like, well, well okay, well, You pay for this meal, I'll get the next meal when we're together. It's not like that. His death was too great to pay back. Now, one of the things that that keeps people from acknowledging Christ is that, that they don't want to admit that there's a price that has to be paid for their sin. 
They don't view it as sin. They don't view it as, and that keeps them from coming to God. They don't want to owe anyone. They will say, well, I'm not that kind of, you know, I'm not that bad of a person. I've never killed anybody. So the standard for getting into heaven is what? Well, as long as we don't, you know, I can do all this evil stuff as long as I don't kill somebody, right? Well, my response to that is this. Everyone will receive judgment. So you either believe in Christ or you don't because there's a day that's coming. And at that day, we will need need to be able to say this. I am adopted. I am chosen. Here is my proof. The Holy Spirit that lives in me is is my proof. I have been redeemed. I have been paid for. And then Paul goes on and and uses another word in verse 7. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And Lisa, you'll have to get that going. The forgiveness of sins. Did you know that this is an additional word here? It's more than, it's more than, you know, than redemption, redemption. You know, first he says adoption, and then we've got to build upon that. And he says redemption, and then we build upon that to, to the point of forgiveness. It means the removal of the record. Not only have we been freed from slavery, but then somebody comes in and says this. Hey, can, can you grab all those files on Alan? You know, all that, you know, I, yeah, I know it's like drawers full here. I, I understand that. But can you gather them all up? Because cause we're going to get rid of them. We're just going to burn them. We're gonna, they're they're going to be completely gone. Because that guy was redeemed by that guy named Jesus. So we need to get rid of those records. It's been deleted. The trash is emptied. There's no record of the wrong done. That's what forgiveness is. Now, when we get to heaven, we don't have to wonder, is everybody going to know every little thing I ever did against God? Is everybody going to know, you know, you know, well, all of a sudden, instantly everybody know where there'll be a movie going. You know, there's been some teaching that, that we'll have to sit there and we'll have to watch every little thing that we ever did so, so we'll really understand the redemption of God. That's totally bogus teaching, and there's nothing like that in scriptures. You know, it's not going to be like, well, I, don't know, why, I wonder what Pastor Allen did as a teenager. Oh, no, it's gone. There won't be any reading of the stuff that you've pulled in your life because we have been forgiven. You have been forgiven, and he forgets it. As far as the east is from the west, or wait, east is that way. As far as the east is from the west. Now, how far is that? Think about that for a second. It just keeps going and going and going. It's pretty far. It is gone. You are free. You are pure again. I am whole. I am complete. I am one in Christ. I am my beloved's and he is mine. I am adopted. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. In him, we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Wisdom in the Greek means what? Wisdom. It's the word Sophia. Understanding means what? You get it. And he made known, verse 9, to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure 
which he purchased, uh, purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will be reached their fulfillment. In other words, God's perfect timing to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Paul uses all verb tenses here, past, present, and future. Paul is saying, we have been saved Paul is saying, we are being saved. Paul is saying, we will be saved. Well, which one is it, Paul? And he goes, it's all of them, completely. Just when we think we get it. You know, I I was saved on, on August 14, 1982. Paul says, okay, but you're still being saved today. No matter what happens in life, I am saved, and I will be saved. You know, I was saved, I am saved, and I will be saved. Next week, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, or, or Paul will talk to us about the hope, the hope of God, the hope of heaven, where our salvation is past, present, and future. Before you get out of bed tomorrow morning, thank God He saved you. Thank God that He is saving you. Thank God that He will save you, because everything else is nothing in comparison It'll help your Monday morning start off better, wouldn't it? Thinking about God and thanking God. Okay, verse 11. It says, In him we were also chosen. In other words, we're given the inheritance, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who are the first to hope in Christ, now, Paul, he is a first-generation Christian. He's like Peter, James, and John. But, but he says here, this isn't just for the first saints. This is for all the saints to come. And who are the saints to come? We are. All the saints and the saints that will come after us. Verse 12, it says, In order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be, might be, it might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That is Holy Spirit writing right there. That is great. That is, I mean, that, that'll just, if you sat with that, that'll just blow you out of, the, you know, out of the water. Man, those are great words. First off, we're God's possession, which is better translated the perfect possession. When, when you know, use the word for perfect, it also meant God. So, you know, because perfection is what? Perfection is God. And the only one is perfect is who? God. And then after God, uh, after God covers our sin, who becomes perfect? We are. We are perfect possessions of God. And this whole thing about being sealed and this whole thing about being, you know, being guaranteed here. Here's the deal. In the first century, no one would have had to explain this because they would totally understood this. To describe what God has done for us, he used family words here. He, he uses legal words here. Now he's using business words. The Apostle Paul, he traveled all over the world. I mean, this guy, I, you know, he just, he, he just went everywhere. In every port, he would, he would have seen this uh, sealing concept, you know, where it says, he sealed you. Now, the, the word here is fragizo. 
Fragizo. It's almost like an Italian word here. It starts with, with an S. It's, I can't even really pronounce it right. Fragizo. I can't even do it. See? Now, the rich of the world would, would, would go and they would, as they traveled, they would shop for pleasure, right? But then you also had all the, the businessmen. You know, we had the business section on the plane. Well, they had the business section on the ships. The better seats, the better places, and all that kind of stuff, you know? And, and these guys would travel. And basically, they would go out for, their, for, the, for the person that, that they're working for, their master, if you want to call it that. And they would have to get stuff shipped to their master to be able to sell, right? If you owned a business, to get the stuff to, to sell, you would have to have it shipped in. You know, they didn't have UPS. Their UPS was the boats. So at the port, they would negotiate. So you're, you're a buyer for your owner, and you're there to negotiate for your boss. And, and once it's purchased, it's yours, so if, if Randy and I are negotiating over this thing and, and Randy finally sells it to me, it's in my possession. He, he has nothing to do with it at that point. So before you walked away from the dock, you would get out your little bag and you would search through it and you'd get out your wax and, <coughs> excuse me, and somehow you'd get some fire and you would fire up your wax and you would sit there and melt it over, you know, you'd have it wrapped up or whatever. And you would sit there and melt your wax over it. And then you would take the signet ring or, or whatever kind of punch or whatever thing that you would seal it with. And you would get the, the wax all hot and it would spread out. And then you would punch down on it and hold it there for a second and release it. And then it would be sealed with your seal. And, and your seal, you know, maybe it would say, you know... Um, you know, this is supposed to go to Claudius of, of Alexander, and it's a real fancy seal or whatever. And if somebody came and tried to pick, to, uh, pick it up, and they did not represent Claudius when it got it to the port of Alexander, what happened? By law, they could kill you right there on the port. So it was a big deal to come in and to steal something coming, you know, into the ports, into the docks. Because it's been sealed. It's been guaranteed. But then Paul uses another word. Not only does he use the word fragizod by the Holy, you know, he's saying sealed by the Holy Spirit, but he's your guarantee. It's a Greek word, arabo. It means down payment. And at the end of the journey, they'll receive full payment. So maybe they put 20% down, you know, over in Rome or wherever you traveled. Maybe they put, you know, 30% down or 50% down. But the guarantee was when it reached Alexandria, they were, you know, they were going to give you the full amount for it. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of the whole deal. So we have been bought with a price and sealed, the Holy Spirit says. And then he says, I will guarantee this deal. Now, how does it feel to have the creator of the universe guaranteeing you're going to heaven? Yeah, think about that. Guaranteeing the creator of the universe. Well, think of it this way. You should never doubt your salvation again. You should never doubt your salvation. If you're guaranteed by the creator of the universe through the Holy Spirit, you've been sealed You've been guaranteed. So now you're loaded up into the ship. And you start your journey toward heaven. And that's what we call life. And, and this trip isn't always an easy one, is it? Life sometimes can be difficult. You're on the boat and you might hit a storm. And you're kind of being jostled around and, and thrown around. And you're like, whoa, this isn't what I bargained for. But there's a seal on you. 
And it doesn't say Claudius of Alexandria. It says the Lord Jesus Christ. This is my possession, God says. So when the crooked guy from top deck comes down to to where all the merchandise is, (coughs) no one is is watching. He's kind of going through everything. But you're not alone. Who said I will never leave you? Who said I will never forsake you? Who said where two or three of you are gathered? Who is down there with us on this journey? Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's down here with us as our big brother, as as the one that protects us because we are part of his family now. See, this is headed for the home port. And they're basically saying for those that want to come in and rob and steal and want to hurt you, this is get away because I'm protecting this person. In the end, they're going to get to that home port. And where is that home port for us? In heaven itself. And it might get stormy. And one of the reasons for the storm is that there will be things that maybe are stuck to you. And then in, trans- in transit, it kind of gets, you get knocked around and, and some of those things start to come off. <coughs> And if you stay in the boat, you'll get to heaven. Now this week, take this analogy a little further. You know, you're getting unloaded into heaven, and Paul will talk about the blessed hope. But we had to get through all of this before we could talk about that blessed hope. We had to understand that that we are sealed that the Holy Spirit comes into us and protects us and guarantees us on getting to heaven. You see, it can be a real stormy trip between now and heaven. How many of you have had an easy trip so far in life? I don't see a lot of hands. In fact, I don't see a hand. See, we're all in the same boat, and it's a stormy trip, but... The fact that he guarantees you, the, pa- the fact that, that he paid for you, he has sealed you with his seal, he has redeemed you, he has forgiven you, all this ought to encourage you so that no matter what happens this week, no matter what happens this month, no matter what happens this year, does not determine your happiness, does not determine the place that you go, because I have been blessed beyond measure because I have received Christ. Therefore, I'm sealed and I'm guaranteed. That is the hope that we hold on to, that we'll go into next week. Let's pray. Lord, you're, you're still upon our lives. It's just, just an amazing concept that we don't have to worry. We don't have to, to think, am I good enough? Because we're not. We never will be good enough for you, Lord. But that's why you died for our sins. So we don't have to worry about that. And I pray, Lord, that as you live in us, that we live uh, our lives according to you living in us that we take the things that you've put into us and we, and we bring those to the world, we bring those to our families and our friends. We bring that to our everyday life. 
Lord, I pray that when Satan comes and, and tries to, to change my mind about who you are or what you've done, that I reject that because I've been sealed. I can show him my seal. I can show him my stamp because you've already given it to me, and that's the Holy Spirit. And I can live life according to the Holy Spirit being in me. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you as you go on this journey of life. Before you get to heaven, you can know that you've been sealed and guaranteed. May his face never turn from you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.